The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, our speaker this morning is Katie Griffin, who is our Director of Children's and Family Ministries. Uh, You may know her as the Children's Director here, but she's actually the Family Ministries Director at Highlands. Uh, This means that she's going to be involved in all kinds of family activities. You heard about one of them. She uh, did an amazing parenting class recently. Katie's going to be leading a a mission trip in the spring for families to go to Fresno to do work, uh, an overnight mission trip. If you're a family and you'd like to plug in to this area, and trust me, Fresno needs a lot of help, and so we're going to help them uh, in the spring. Katie's a member of the school board here in Paso Robles and an incredible force for good in this community, so we are thankful to God that she is going to give us the message this morning about joy, so let's pray for her as she comes on up. Let's give her a welcome first, and then... Thank you. Well, God... This day, we thank you for everything. We haven't spent enough time thanking you, Lord, this last year for the things of our lives. And everyone in this room has pieces of our lives that we recognize we would like to change. And yet, there are so many things that are things we can give thanks for. And even those things that are not necessarily our favorite parts of our lives, we can even give you thanks for those. Because through those, you make us the people that you want us to be. Lord, I thank you on this day for our country. I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for the way that your Holy Spirit has breathed through this time and this place to do something great in this community. Father, I pray that as we think about joy on this very first Sunday of Advent, that you would give us a deeper sense of what that means. Help us to see that being joyful people is your claim in our lives. It isn't just that we are people who follow you, but if we are not reflecting that, Lord, we we know that that isn't your full plan for us. I thank you, Lord, for Katie and for the way that she will joyfully tell us about the importance of joy. Lord, we also know that there are people today who are struggling, who don't have food for tables, who don't know exactly how they will make payments, who are struggling in relationships. Lord, on these moments, we know that your spirit also works. And so we ask that you would work in strength and might wherever we are. The next few moments, Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts to hear your word in a new and special way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. As Pastor Graham said that I am your, your director of family and children's ministry here at Highlands Church, and it is with great joy that I am with each and every one of you this morning. Um, how many of you found yourselves over this Thanksgiving holiday maybe having one more slice of pie? <laughs> oh, two hands up back there with Kevin. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so yes, myself too. I actually started my Thanksgiving indulgence on uh, Sunday prior to Thanksgiving. I went down to Costco, and if you've been there, they sell their pumpkin pies, which I still have because I went there yesterday again for five ninety nine. What a deal! And uh, and you get this size of a pumpkin pie. <laughs> and so on Sunday, I was like, I'll keep it till Thursday. And then I thought, nah, it's all right. It's all right. We'll have plenty of pumpkin pie. I'll just, well, let's just start indulging in pumpkin pie Sunday night. So I took it and we sliced it up. And you know how when you're slicing your pie, you want to make sure your pie slice is just perfect. And so, but for me, it's like, okay, no, no, a little off the edge. 
you know, and a little off the edge of your, and then finally, by the time you actually get it on the plate and sit down to eat your pumpkin pie, you've already had like three pieces, you know, <laughs> and so that was me, I like always, this whole week, so I had pie Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I think I took Wednesday off, Thursday, uh, Thursday had pie, some extra, actually I had a berry pie to go along with it, and then, <laughs> and then Friday pie again, I think it was cheesecake, uh, it's just sad, uh, so I went over and over again, by fr- Friday, my husband looked at me, he goes, you really can not have another piece of pie, Katie. And I'm like, why? Why? And, and, and I thought, okay, okay, I got to come up with a reason to justify my another slice of pie. So I looked at the pie and I said, that's right. Pumpkin is a fruit. I'm just eating fruit here. What are you talking about with a shell? That's it. Fruit with a shell. It's all good. <laughs> so that was my Thanksgiving experience. I hope yours was really great also. And you had a, you're nice and stuffed with pie. So, um, <laughs> Laughter, how, do, how many of you love to laugh? Yes, it's good, yeah, it's good to laugh. Laughter is good. In his word, in Proverbs um, chapter 17, verse 22, it says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Did you, actually, did you know that those who laugh actually live longer? When you laugh, you actually live longer. Ha-ha. There you go. Start laughing. It's good. <laughs> we just added to our numbers. Um, <laughs> it's true. Some research suggests that laughter can actually boost the immune system. When researchers at Japan's Okasaka University Graduate School of Medicine showed a 75-minute funny, um, funny film to a group of men and, and women, they actually found that their blood levels of the natural killer cells activity increased by 26.5%. Wow, I know, isn't that good? So actually by laughing, you increase the white blood cell count in your body, which can actually help fight off the immune, give you a stronger immune system to help you fight off, you know, your common cold, things like that. So I I thought this this is just great. Humor is amazing. It dissolves tension and it's an antidote to anxiety It's like a tranquilizer, but without all the side effects, (laughs) and it's free. You don't even need a prescription for it. You don't have to go stand in line at Walmart for five hours and pay a trillion dollars to get your medication. It's free. Just by laughing, you can actually increase your white blood cell count, and it's good for you. It's actually good for you. So one thing, um, I, I was looking for quotes, and I found this quote by our president, Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln said this. They asked him, how did you survive the Civil War? With everything that was going around you, your circumstances were bleak and um, so much turmoil. And he said this quote. He said, if it hadn't been for laughter, I wouldn't have made it. I thought, that is great. That is really good. Laughter, it does a body good. It does our body more than good. It does our soul good. It is very good for us. So people always often ask me, they say, they look at me and they say, how can you be so happy all the time, Katie? I know, no, 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 no. I know what circumstance you're going through right now. And there's no way that you can be this happy all the time. And I love that question. I love it. Because I've been able to look at them and I can say this. Well, happiness is an emotion controlled by circumstances. But what I have is different. It's joy. And that is what I want to talk to you girl, guys and girls. I was going to just say you girls. I, was, I don't know why, but <laughs> you guys and girls about today. Why it is so important as believers in Christ to have the fruit 
of joy in your life. That joy that you have will carry you through all circumstances. As you rely more on God, you will be filled with his fruits. Now remember his fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, all those. God desires for you to have all of those as a believer. But what he says about joy, he says that you can have continual joy. In the book in the Bible of in Acts, in chapter 13, verse 52, it says this. It tells us that the disciples at the early church were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So that means it is possible to have enduring joy in all circumstances. That's a good thing. Now, as an unbeliever, you cannot have joy. I realize that's a big statement. It's kind of hard to say. You're like, what are you saying, Katie? You mean I can't have joy? No. As an unbeliever, you can have happiness, and that's good, but happiness is based only on your circumstances. But as a believer, you have been given joy, joy that's going to be able to get you through those dark periods in your life. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, joy, I love it, joy is the nature of God in my blood. Joy is the nature of God in my blood. Just like all the fruits of the Spirit, joy just doesn't happen to us. We must actively seek it out. We must choose it. We must live it. We must believe in it (laughs) and seek after it. Now, I told you, like I told you before, as an unbeliever, you can have, have happiness. And as a believer, we have happiness. But happiness really depends on our circumstances. It depends on this world. It depends on what is going on all around us. Happiness is like when you ace a test and you've been studying really super hard for a test and all of a sudden you get your test back and you got an A and you're like, yeah, A. <laughs> no, you did that in class. <laughs> it's this. It's perhaps it's when you are, oh, that's my favorite team. Okay. So uh, you can laugh because nobody's a Cincinnati Bengal fan. <laughs> so uh, so um, happiness is this, is when you're, you're watching your team and they're doing really well and then they score a touchdown and you're dancing around the room and everything's great and they're headed to the playoffs, hopefully. And so, uh, so that is that's happiness based on circumstances. Um, another thing is probably this. Maybe you're headed out on an awesome family vacation. Everything's going just right. You know, you've got the plane that's good, and the bags are packed, and the kids are happy, and uh, every, and the husband doesn't lose directions, and everything is going great. <laughs> everything's going great. It's all depending. Happiness is what all depends on everything being just right. It really does. And happiness is truly wonderful, but it lasts only a little while. But the difference of what I'm talking to you about today is joy. And joy is a gift from God that enables you to find hope and peace even when life seemingly is falling apart. I'm going to say that again because I think it's that important. Joy is a gift from God that enables you to find hope and peace even when life seemingly is falling apart. Joy, true joy, doesn't depend on this world, or if you're having a good day, it depends on God. 
Joy is knowing that God is in control, that he loves you and he will take care of you even when you get your test back and you're like, oh, is that an F or just missing the line for the A right there? And I'm like, you know how you used to change your, oh, none of you guys did that. And, <laughs> and we get an F today. Uh, or, or maybe your team, unfortunately, throws a pick six and they end up losing the game. And you're in your, oh, not again. Not since 1988 were they in the Super Bowl. Uh, and you know that. Or, or you can't afford the family vacation. Things have come up and it just can't go around. Yet you still have joy. Because you can have joy when you stay close to God and he promises you this, that he will give you joy in all circumstances. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. And he says this. He says, joy is a serious business of heaven. And I believe it. I believe it. God wants us. He desires us to have all the fruits of his spirit. And one of them, amazingly, is joy. And joy is so important that he continually tells us over and over again to be filled with joy. I have had um, an amazing uh, example of joy in my life uh, where I've been able to watch uh, this person, my grandmother, uh, She was just, uh, she is, I keep saying was, she's going to kill me when she hears this, but she is, she is just an amazing woman. She's uh, just full of joy. And when, when, when I was seven years old, my circumstances did not look good. My circumstances all around me, my uh, parents divorced. My grandmother got on a plane from Santa Maria, California, went out to Missouri and uh, picked us up, me and my sister and my mother, and brought us back on a Greyhound bus. And throughout the whole time, my grandma was always smiling. She was always full of joy. I, I don't think anybody in their life raises their daughter and, and has their grandchildren and ever thinks that they're going to go and pick them up and bring them back to live with them. I mean, at that point, her circumstances were pretty what the world would say was not so good. But yet she continued to show and exhibit. It was like oozing, joy just oozed out, out of my grandma's pores. And so this one day, um, oh, and I have to tell you another thing about my grandma's circumstances. When she was three, she had polio. So she, was, um, has, she has one leg shorter than the other. And so when... Uh, one day as we're driving in the car, and I have to tell you about this great car she had. She had this, I think it's a Cutlass. I, it was like a maroon large car. <laughs> Very large car. And the back seat was just one long like bench, like a um, couch, like they made those back then, that were velvet, you know, the velvet seats. No seatbelts. You didn't need seatbelts back then. So you were just, we lined up, me and my sister, on, on the back seat. And because of her polio, um, she, she kind of hobbles and has a one, and she hobbles around to the side. Get in, girls! Woo! We're going to school, you know? And I'm like, yeah, grandma. And so we get in, and we're on the back, we're in the back of the seat. And because she has Polish, she can only drive with one foot. And so here she is. She's, she has a tendency to be a lead foot. <laughs> so she was like, boom, boom, boom. We hit a dip, boom, boom, boom. 
we be in the back hitting our head on the top of the ceiling of the Oldsmobile? And it was just fantastic. We're like laughing all the way to school and she's just trying to, to fill us with joy before we started the day, you know. And we get to school and I said, Grandma, I'm really scared. And she's like, what are you scared about? And I said, I have my spelling test today and you know I don't spell very well. And she's like, don't worry, you can do it. She's all full of encouragement and joy and you can do it. You're going to do really great. I believe in you, Katie. So I went to school, did my spelling test got the spelling test back, and it was 100%. So I'm like beaming in class, and I run, my grandma comes to pick us up. It's so hilarious. She's seriously a left foot. So she jumped, if you're in front of the school in San Maria, there was like this little turnout, and here you could see her coming down. She's like, and she come into the, into the turn, and boom, 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 boom. Hey, girls, I'm right over here. We're like, hi, girl. And so I get in the car, and I say, Grandma, look, and I showed her my 100%. She jumps out of the car and runs around, gives me a big hug, and she says, Katie, guess what we're doing? I said, what are we doing? She goes, we're heading to Foster Freeze for a chocolate vanilla dip cone. Woo! Boom, 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 boom. All the Foster Freeze, like in that, you know? And I got to Foster Freeze, and I'm sitting there with my grandma, and she's all smiling. Hey, did you hear my, my granddaughter got an A? Did you? I'm like, oh, grandma. You know, and so it's just, just full of joy and uh. I look, I said, a little seven-year-old, I look at my grandma, I say, Grandma, how do you do it? How do you, how do you come you're always happy? You know, you've got all this stuff, and you're raising us, and, and now, how can you be happy all the time? And she looked at me, and she said this, and I'll never forget it. She said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I looked at her, I was like, wow, I get it. And through all circumstances in her life, I've watched her just continually have joy through everything. And just always, even to today, me and my daughter were with her yesterday, and, um, and she was had us rolling on the floor. <laughs> she was cracking us up, and we were just, ah, Grandma, stop making us laugh. And uh, so she's just a, just a true, true um, spirit of joy in her life. And it's been so great for me to have that as an example for me. The Bible talks to us, about joy 244 times. Do you think God is trying to get our attention? (laughs) He's trying to tell us, hey, I want you to have joy. So the book of the Bible we're going to be talking about today is um, the book of Habakkuk. And so if you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles, that's where we're going to be learning from today. And Habakkuk is in the Old Testament. It's right before uh, the New Testament, towards the end. And uh, in staff, our staff meeting, we always talk about what we're going to talk about on Sunday. And we were sitting in staff, and I was having a challenge with this word, with the prophet's name, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. So I went around the room, and I said, how do you pronounce it, Israel? And, and then he's, yeah, I think he's a Habakkuk or Habakkuk. And Caleb gave me Habakkuk. And Jill said, Habakkuk or whatever. And then we kept going around. And then we get to Graham, and Graham said this to me. He said, Katie, just drop the B and make it a V. It's the Greek version of it. I'm like, I got it. Havokuk. It's a Havokuk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the book we'll be reading from this morning is Havokuk. So uh, it says this. So there's, let me give you a little uh, preview to Habakkuk <laughs> before um, we get to chapter 3. So Habakkuk is having this dialogue between him and God. And what had happened was the Judea uh, had turned from God. 
Basically, they were sinning, they were doing a lot of bad things, they were worshiping false idols, and they were turning away from him. And the prophet, the minor prophet at the time, was Habakkuk. And he was um, talking with God, and he was saying, God, why do you allow their sin to go unpunished? Why do they continue to go on like this? Why do you not bring about your, you know, wrath or kind of like, you know, why do you send them, why do they not only worship you, the one true God? Why, God? And so he's having this dialogue back and forth with God, and God's like, trust me, Habakkuk. Why, God? Trust me, Habakkuk. Try God. And so I love it because it shows me that I can have that dialogue with God myself. You know, why is this happening in my life, Lord? Trust me, Katie. Why is this happening? Trust me. And so the same thing, and they go back and forth, and finally God tells Habakkuk, he says, I'm going to use the Babylonians to bring about the people of Judea, back to me, their one true God. Habakkuk looks at God and he says, are you kidding me? There is no possible way you're going to use the Babylonians to bring about them to you. The Babylonians are worse than we are. They're worse. They're the ones invading us. They're the ones that are causing us all this pain and hurt. Why would you use the Babylonians? And God looks at Habakkuk and he says, just trust me. Through them, I will be able to bring back the Judea to me. And so this is where we pick up is in chapter 3, verse 16. And this is Habakkuk's prayer back to God after God tells him this is going to happen. And it says this, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet, and I love this word yet, is three simple letters, but it has much power in it. Because he takes the, the focus off what his circumstances were, and he puts it back into trust into God with those three words, or those three letters. And he says, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. How many of you have been in a situation like that, where maybe not exactly, but you felt like this prophet, I love his words in this thing. His words are like real. They're descriptive. They're like of desperation, of fear, of uncertainty, of future. And then he says, yet I'm going to wait. I trust you, Lord. I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come to the nation evading us. Habakkuk puts total confidence in God. Then he goes on to say, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet, you see the word again? Three simple letters. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. For you, it might look like this. Though my husband has just left me, though my wife has just left me, though I have no food in my pantry, though I just lost my job, though my teenagers are using drugs, though we could go on and on up here, though I have no money in my bank account, though my in-laws, I'm dealing with a failing mother who is dying and I have to take care of her and I have no ways to do it. That is what Habakkuk is saying here. He's like, Lord God, I don't know. I have nothing. For them, it was reality then. When we look at me, we say, what, what are sheep? What are, what, so what, he doesn't have any sheep in his, 
any stalls or any, any, um, any buds on the tree or whatever. What is that? You know, we're looking at we say whatever. And they, but for them, that was reality. For them, that was their job. That was their car in their driveway. That was their, their way to, to feed their family. Yet he says this, he, go, he goes and he says, I, he keeps that vision of that yet, that word. And he says, no matter what comes upon me, no matter what circumstances have come all around me, I will be joyful in God my Savior. That, my friends, is true joy. That can only be attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit given to us as fruit of evidence of God in our lives. That is what true joy is. It is a deep confidence in God. It is knowing God is in control. My confidence, my trust is in him, not on my circumstances. See, the things were crashing all around the prophet. Everything was coming down on him. And you're using the Babylonians, and I'm, I'm shaking. I got decree in my bones. It all ran. He focused his eyes on his creator. And then he hits a home run when he says, not only am I going to wait patiently and receive what you have planned for me, but I will and I'm going to remain joyful in God, my Savior. I love this about him. Because no matter what we're going through and our circumstances, all things crashing down around us, that we have those who, you know what Hebrews says, is that those who've gone before you, all those witnesses that have gone before you, those serve as testimony to you, to us, to today. That we can, we can look at Habakkuk's life and say, I know, I can rejoice in God my Savior, yet I will wait patiently. I trust in you, Lord God. Now you might say, okay, I get it. Okay, so you're saying I need joy, I need to trust in God. But how do I nurture those things in my life, Katie? How do I continue? How do I get this joy in my life? How do I maintain it? And the first and foremost thing is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Those of you today who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, awesome. We need to develop that, maintain it. And, re- and continue to grow in Christ. This says here in John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, it's, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man or woman remains in me, I in him or her, he will bear much fruit apart from me. He will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, He is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus is saying this, that when we become Christians, we're like a branch attached to the vine. Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. As long as we're attached to him, we will bear fruit. Now, if you don't know Jesus, then I want to make sure before you leave here today that that you've had the opportunity to ask him, to come into your life so you, because I want to make sure you're filled with joy and f- love and joy and peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, we can name them all. <laughs> and it's very simple. It's very simple to ask Jesus into your heart. It's, it, all you have to do is Im- admit you're a sinner, believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and all that he's done for us and what the Word of God says right here in this Bible. 
And choose him because he's already chosen you. And see, that's, that's where it all begins. When we're attached to the vine, it means that we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. And you really can never have the joy that this passage talks about until you are attached to him, remain attached to him, and develop that relationship. If you're a Christian and there isn't much joy in your life, then you need to reattach to the vine. One of my concerns about the church is this. Welcome to church. I've been to church lately. I go to church every Sunday. Where's the joy? Where's the joy? We'd be like, hi, welcome to church, you know? Or, I go to church. Come join me. You see, because the, the, the detached brushes that they're dying, but they don't even realize it. They look alive. They sound like they're alive, but in reality, they're just dead because they no longer attach to the vine. So the first and foremost main thing you need to do is stay attached to the vine, stay in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we encourage you to say that prayer. And it's just like that, just that simple. That's what God is all about. It's so great. So the second thing to maintain your joy is you need to keep an eternal perspective. Now you're going to say, what are you talking about? Well, here it is. It's pretty simple. You can kind of visualize it. You've got circumstances all around you in this world, right? All around you. But when you keep an eternal perspective, where are your eyes going? Instead of your eyes looking at all the circumstances, all the bad things that are going on, because things are going to happen to us. We live in a fallen world. It's going to be every day. But as long as we are keeping this, our joy is going to be right out of us. But as long as we're keeping an eternal perspective, then we're able to look at our circumstances in the light of eternity. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, Paul is saying this. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, and this is Paul's in jail right now, what has happened to me has, has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You see, Paul had an eternal perspective. As he's sitting there in jail, he knew that he was living for something much more, that God always has a better plan despite our circumstances. And then later on, Paul says this, I do this, I love it how he finishes up this whole thing of him in prison. He says, I do this as I rejoice in God. Sound familiar from Habakkuk? So that you may have overflowing joy. That's what he was talking about to the Philippian church. The third and final thing is discover something to laugh about each day. Find something that you're just going to laugh about. Now, let me tell you, it's not hard if you're me. I laugh about myself every day, all day. (laughs) I find myself up here. I was practicing yesterday, um, uh, and the janitors were cleaning, and I was in here just cracking up at myself. I was saying words backwards and everything, and he comes in. He goes, man, you are having a good time. (laughs) I said, I know. I just, 
It's just so much fun. <laughs> so, you know, just, you know, don't take yourself so seriously. Learn to laugh at yourself. If you have to, go, let's go back to the first, this, the, um, this sermon when I was telling you about from Japan that they did that study and they rented a funny movie. Rent a funny movie. Find a funny movie and, uh, and just laugh. It's good for your soul. It's good for everything. And the last is a, a, a quote from R.A. Tori. He says this, There's more joy in Jesus in 24 hours than there is in the world in 365 days. I've tried them both. I love that. That pretty much sums it up. Jesus wants us to have joy. He desires for each and every one of you here in this room to be filled with this fruit of the Spirit. And one of those fruits is the joy. And all you've got to do is seek after it, live it, maintain it, want it. He says, today I, t- today I ask that God for the fruit of joy in your life, that you will actively seek after it. You must seek it, practice, live it, and choose it. And it really is there in abundance waiting for each and every one of you. So let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity this morning, for laughter, for love, for your joy, Lord, that is there waiting for us in abundance for each and every one of us in this room, Lord. That if there's there's anybody in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you, Father God, I pray that they will take this time to say, I choose you, Father God. I know I'm a sinner, and I believe in your Bible and your word and that you are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That you, Lord God, that you would fill each and every person in here from the bottom of their toes to the top of their head with your joy today as they leave here. And we ask this all in the name of your Son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at